Our next song will be Soldiers of Christ Arise, number 647. <clears throat> The song of invitation will be number 947, Jesus is Tenderly Calling. I'll be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Share in suffering is a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian's pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Good morning and welcome again. We are glad you're here today. We appreciate so much you being here this morning for worship 
and we want to encourage you to come back tonight. We're going to be looking at the faith of Joseph in our study tonight, and we'd love to have you as a part of our service as we continue making our way through some of the great characters of Scripture. In our study this morning, we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, the passage that was read a moment ago by Brad. I do want to say thank you again for being here. If you're visiting, we always want you to know how much we appreciate you coming our way. If you're looking for a church home, we don't want it to sound redundant, but we would love to have you come and be a part of the work here. We'd love for you to find a place of service and be a light in this community and help us make the name of Christ known far and wide. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 in our study today. And the theme of our study, are you a good soldier of Jesus Christ? Are you a good soldier in the Lord's army? You know, one of the things I think that maybe people misunderstand about living the Christian life is that in many respects, we're at war. You remember, for example, when the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, and Timothy was his own son in the faith. And so in his first letter, he told Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. Back in chapter 1 of that same book, he emphasized the importance of waging a good warfare. So whether we realize it or not, we're at war. The enemy, as you well know, is the devil. Our goal is to serve the Lord faithfully, to be all that we can be so that we might ultimately bring Him honor and glory. And so in our study today, let's think for a moment or two about what it means to be a good soldier in the Lord's army. And as we begin our study, I want to begin first and foremost by talking about the fact that God wants us to be fit for service. Now listen again to what Paul said to Timothy. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then look if you would at verse 4. He said, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he might please him who enlisted him. So first and foremost, as we think about being a soldier in the Lord's army to understand that when we sign on the dotted line, so to speak, and become children of God, then we are ushered into a life of service. When then does our enlistment put us into that position? Well, it would be when we're baptized into Christ. Because when we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we then become a part of the Lord's body. In other words, we belong to the Lord, don't we? You think about for example, in this book, down in verse 10, where the Apostle Paul located salvation in Christ Jesus. As we have said repeatedly over the past few years, the only way to get into Christ Jesus is to be baptized into Him. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul said, You're all sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. As many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So we're in Christ, we're baptized into Christ, and then we are said to belong to Christ. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul said, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you. He said, You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, in light of that fact, glorify God in your body and spirit. Then listen to this, which are God's. 
So we belong to God, and then it would only stand to reason that we would want our behavior to be becoming of a child of God. It was Timothy that Paul said to show himself an example of the believers in the world about him. And so trying to live the Christian life, and it begins with that enlistment process. When we're baptized into Christ, that's really the beginning point. It's not the end, but rather it's the beginning. And then, what about our expectations? It might be the case that we fail to understand the expectations of being a soldier in the Lord's army. I want you to back up and look at verse 3 again. When Paul wrote to Timothy, and the time here would be about A.D. 67, 68, Paul is nearing the end of his physical sojourn here on planet Earth. And so Paul said in a very personal way, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Think about individuals, past and present, who have been involved in warfare, and there are those today who are involved in warfare. In the heat of battle, what do you expect? It's not easy, is it? But rather, when we talk about carnal conflict, being at war, there's some things that you naturally have to expect. Number one, being hardship. If you've ever talked to people that have been on the battlefield, I knew a gentleman many years ago that had the opportunity, I say it was an opportunity, it wasn't one that I would say anyone relished, but he fought at Iwo Jima. Now you imagine what some of those young men encountered. I knew a man who's now deceased, who was a prisoner of war in World War II, spent about a year, I believe, in captivity, lost around 60 pounds. Now you talk about hardship, and then what about the heartache? What about the heartache of war? Isn't it the case that many soldiers, past and present, have lost some of their fellow troops on the, on the battlefield? Sure. How then does that relate to the Christian life? Well, when you, begin, when you begin living for the Lord, you have to understand right up front, there will be hardships. When Paul penned this letter to Timothy, over in chapter 3, he recounted the persecutions and afflictions that he had encountered at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. He said, what persecutions I endured. And then he said, and out of them all the Lord will deliver, or rather the Lord delivered me. In verse 12, listen to verse 12. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. What then is Paul saying to Timothy? If you're a child of God, you can expect to suffer, can't you? When Jesus preached what we typically refer to as the great sermon on the mount, I think one of the benefits of going back and reading through that sermon is to recognize that the Lord Jesus was very transparent when it came to discipleship, what discipleship entailed. Do you remember in verse 10 when he said, Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when men shall persecute you and revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. The Lord Jesus saying, look, you want to be my disciple, you have to understand something. It's not going to be easy, not saying that it's impossible. 
but to recognize that there are hardships and heartaches along the way. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul talked about a fellow by the name of Demas. Demas had been a fellow comrade, a fellow servant, stood side by side with the Apostle Paul preaching and teaching. You can go back and read, for example, Philemon. In Philemon verse 24, the one chapter book. Or look at Colossians chapter 4. In the time there, about A.D. 61, 62, Philemon was a fellow comrade in the Lord's army. Six years later, he's abandoned the Lord, abandoned Paul. Paul would say, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And so the expectations of a soldier in the Lord's army. I think what Paul's saying is you can expect hardship and you can expect heartache. Now, there's a second thing I want to call your attention to. First, God wants us to be fit for service. But then secondly, God wants us to be focused in our service. So, when we talk about being focused as children of God, to recognize that there are inherent dangers associated with being a soldier in the Lord's army. Well, what about those dangers? What about the possibility of peril at war? Well, didn't, didn't the Apostle Peter talk about the importance of us being vigilant in the faith? And not just being vigilant, but the goal is to be victorious. Imagine you're being shipped off to war this week. Let's just say that you've been shipped off to war and the commander has told you you're going to be in the very heat of battle. Well, what's your goal? Your goal is to get back home, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't you want to get back to a safe environment? Well, the answer would be yes. Well, our goal as children of God, as soldiers of Christ is ultimately to get home. That is, we want to go to heaven, don't we? So here's what Peter said, Be vigilant. Be sober. Your adversary of the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In verse 9 he would say, Whom we stand steadfast in the faith. So as we live the Christian life, to recognize the devil's going to do everything within his power to deceive, disrupt, destroy. The devil is, in, is intent on destroying our soul on the battlefield. That's why Paul said you've got to fight the good fight. That's why he would tell Timothy, you need to wage a good warfare. You've got to be equipped and ready for battle. You've got to understand that you need to maintain a spirit of vigilance. Because ultimately, you want to be victorious. You want to get back home. And in this case, in our case, we want to be home with God, don't we? You remember the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the church at Philippi? When he said, our citizenship is in heaven, whence also we wait for a Savior. We are identified by Peter as a stranger, a foreigner, a pilgrim. And the idea is we're in a native land. This isn't our home. We're just passing through. And so as we travel along the battlefield of life, the goal is to get home and to get home safely so that one day we can hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. So, number one, 
the dangers. Number two, let's talk for a moment or two. Well, I mentioned the dangers. Look, if you would, again at what Paul says down in verse 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him. Now, I said a minute ago, there are a lot of dangers when we're at war. Our goal, our duty, to be faithful. Our duty, be vigilant, be victorious. But Paul here said, one of the real problems is we might become entangled in the affairs of this life. And not just entangled, but ensnared. Let me ask you, drop down and look, if you would, at verse 24. And listen to what Paul said in the long ago. Paul here is writing to Timothy and he's talking about the importance of teaching and maintaining a spirit that is conducive to leading someone to Christ. And so he said, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach. And then he said, Patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Now look at verse 26. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. If we're not careful, it's very easy to become entangled in the affairs of this life. Let me ask you a question today. When it comes to being a child of God, does God want everything that we have to give Him or just a part of what we have to give Him? He wants everything, doesn't He? The devil, what the devil wants to do is to create roadblocks or obstacles in life. His goal is to get us caught up in the affairs of life so that we forget about our service to God. The devil has a lot of tools in his toolbox. He uses a lot of different avenues to tempt and to dissuade us from giving the Lord everything. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness to give Him the totality of our life. In other words, for our lives to be focused on the Lord day in, day out. In other words, He's to be the hub of life, isn't He? Everything revolves around Him. What happens sometimes is we get so caught up in the world that we forget about our allegiance to Christ. And I don't think that's something that happens overnight. But rather, over a course of time, we get so busy with the world and the things of the world, and those things constantly chip at us day by day, that we wake up one day and we realize we're not where we ought to be. And so what Paul is saying here is, look, you have enlisted in God's army. You're a soldier of the Lord. Are there inherent dangers to being a soldier in the Lord's army? Well, of course. You have a divine duty. That duty is you need to be vigilant. Your goal is to be victorious. But it's very easy to get caught in the snares of the devil. I mentioned a moment ago, 
a brother that had served as an elder in the Lord's church for many, many years. He had been a prisoner of war for about a year. He faced a lot of difficulties, a lot of trials. And I can't begin to imagine what that would have been like. Spiritually speaking, there are people that are taken in bondage. You remember what Jesus said, John chapter 8, that those who commit sin are the bondservants of sin? And you remember when Paul wrote to the church at Rome and he said, Thanks be to God, that whereas you were the servants of sin, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine delivered to you. He said, having been set free from sin, when we obeyed the gospel of Christ, we were set free from a life, a captivity of sin. But sadly, sometimes people go right back into that way of life. When Peter wrote his epistle in 2 Peter chapter 2, he talked about those who are entangled and overcome in the world. What about you? Have you been entangled once again in the affairs of the world? Does the world have a lock on your spiritual life? Have you found yourself slipping spiritually? Maybe your face not what it ought to be. Maybe because the world has a stranglehold on you. You're not reading the Bible like you ought to. You're not praying like you ought to. You're not coming on the first day of the week to worship God, to study corporately. You know, over time, what happens is we find ourselves moving farther and farther away from the Lord. And so, Paul here talks in a very explicit way about the dangers that we face on the battlefield of life. Now, there's a third thing I want to share with you in our study. It has to do with the fact that God wants us to be faithful in service. Now, look again at what Paul said, verse 3. You therefore must endure hardship as a good servant of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that it may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So number one, as a soldier of Christ. We've got to have a persevering spirit, don't we? In other words, as I said a minute ago, there are going to be hardships, there are going to be heartaches, there are going to be trials and temptations in this life. Our goal is to rise above them. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the saints in Rome, Paul said, tribulation works perseverance. James said, count it all joy when you fall into manifold trials, various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience or perseverance. In order to get through the trials and the temptations of life, we've got to have an enduring or a persevering spirit, don't we? Imagine if you can, having lived in the first century. And in the first century, there happened to be a lot of persecution. The Roman Caesars, they wanted to be acknowledged as Lord and God. And so you were going to have to, if you lived in the first century, declare your allegiance. Are you going to serve the Lord God or will you serve Caesar? 
Will you acknowledge the Lord God as the genuine Lord of your life, or will you bow to Caesar? Well, that would, be, that would have been a temptation, wouldn't it? And the heartaches and the suffering that accompanied being a child of God in the first century. The persecutions, the afflictions, the difficulties. I mentioned that just a minute ago, based upon what Paul said in chapter 3. You go back and you look at the early church. Go back and look, for example, in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John, they had healed a man at the gate of the temple in Jerusalem. As a result of that, they drew the ire of the Sanhedrin council. And they were literally called on the carpet. And they were asked to give a defense of how this man had been healed. And they pointed out, look, this man has been healed by the power of Christ. So here they are through, here they are standing before the Jewish hierarchy. These men that have tremendous power, their influence incredible. And here are Peter and John, apostles of the Lord, and they said, look, neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. They said this in the face of persecution, didn't they? And yet the Bible says in about verse 13, these men, that is the Sanhedrin council, they'd been, no doubt, they were the aristocrats in many respects of that day and time. And the Bible says that they recognized that Peter and John were untrained, uneducated men. They had not sat at the feet of a Gamaliel. They didn't have the training of a Nicodemus. They were not a ruler in Israel as Nicodemus was in the long ago. But the Bible says they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. And you remember the Bible says that they were commanded not to teach or preach in the name of Christ. How did they respond to that? You remember what they said? We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Would it not have been easy to have made some concessions, to give in? Well, sure it would have. And then they went back, rehearsed the events that had transpired among their fellow disciples, and then Luke pictures them as going to God and praying. And in their prayer, they prayed that they might speak the Word of God with all boldness. So these men recognized that they had to have a patient, persevering spirit. When the Hebrew writer penned his letter in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer there talked about laying aside besetting sins and the weights of life. And he said, what you need to do is run with patience or endurance the race set before you, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Look, if the Lord Jesus Christ could endure Golgotha, Calvary, the writer's saying that if we'll keep our eyes on the Lord, we too can endure the trials, the tribulations, the temptations of this life. And to understand as a child of God, they're coming. That's why we've got to equip ourselves as soldiers. As Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that the wiles, the schemes of the devil do not overtake us. So number one, to have a 
persevering spirit. But then there is this desire on our part to prioritize, to recognize as a soldier what's really important. Well, what would, what would ultimately be important to a soldier on the battlefield? What is it the Lord wants from me as one of His soldiers? Well, number one, He wants me to be productive, doesn't He? Doesn't God want me to be productive in His kingdom? To be serving day in, day out? Well, sure. For example, in John 15, 8, Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. We bear fruit by living the Christian life, by adorning our life with, for example, the Christian graces spoken of in 2 Peter 1. We bring forth fruit by being involved in the work of the kingdom. Ultimately, our goal is what? To please God, isn't it? Listen again to what Paul said. Note verse 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Well, why is that? That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Ultimately, our goal as children of God is to please the Lord. And the only way that we can please him is to follow in the footsteps of his life. Let me just very quickly cite for you a passage in the book of John. If Jesus is our great example, and he is, then I think we ought to try to the best of our ability to exemplify the attitude that he manifested during his earthly life. Jesus said, I always do those things that please him. What about you? When you survey your life, you know, Paul said, examine yourselves, whether you're in the faith. So when you take inventory of your life, when you begin to take inventory and look at your spiritual life, where you stand in your relationship to God, where you stand as a soldier of Almighty God, can you say unequivocally that you're always doing those things that please Him. Look, it's not possible to please our fellow man all the time. It's not possible. Why? Because we're human beings. But we can please Almighty God. You know, sometimes our peers are our worst critics. And rather than building us up, sometimes they tear us down. And so it's hard to please them. In their mind, we just never do enough. We never come up to the standard that they expect. But you can please God. Do you remember Jesus when He was baptized in the River Jordan? And God the Father said of Him, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Or what about in Matthew chapter 7? Jesus is transfigured in the presence of Peter, James, and John, Moses and Elijah appear on the scene. What a breathtaking occasion that must have been. To have been in the presence of Moses, the great leader and lawgiver of ancient Israel, to have stood in the presence of Elijah, the prophet of God, and then here is this voice from heaven, 
that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Was God well pleased with His Son? Absolutely. Can we live in such a way so that God will be pleased with us? Yes. Matthew chapter 25, do you remember what Jesus said? Well done, good and faithful servant. Paul said our goal is to please Him who enlisted us. That'd be Jesus. That'd be the Lord. When we became a child of God, we signed on the dotted line, so to speak, and we said our lives are going to be conformed to the image of His Son. That the Lord Jesus is going to be first and foremost in our life. We understand we're on a battleground and we're fighting for our spiritual lives. We recognize the intensity of the battle, the fact that the devil's going to bring everything he can at us. But we're equipped, we're well educated, we know what the Word of God is, and we have the ability to defend ourselves day in and day out. We're ready for battle. And listen, if you're not ready for battle, you will not make it. You will not make it as a soldier of Christ. Can you imagine being on a, a literal battleground and you haven't been educated about the enemy? You don't have proper equipment to meet the enemy? Sitting duck. By the same token, as children of God, if we're not equipped and educated, we won't make it. That's why Paul here said, you've got to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So we're one soldier among many. My encouragement to you today is to be all that God wants you to be. To live your life so that one day you'll hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. At best, we're just servants in the Lord's army, aren't we? But you think about every soldier has a part to play on the battleground. That would be on the literal battleground. Spiritually speaking, every soldier, every member in the body of Christ has a part. You have a part, I have a part, we all have a part. So we all have to shoulder our responsibility in the kingdom of God. So what about you today? Are you a good soldier in the Lord's army? Only you can answer that. If you're not what you ought to be and you're a child of God, you've obeyed the gospel, but your life doesn't measure up, could I encourage you to dig deep to resolve in your mind that you're going to be exactly what God wants you to be. You're going to be faithful day in, day out. You're going to do your best to live in such a way so that you honor and glorify Him. If you're here today and you haven't obeyed the gospel, you've never enlisted in His service. Well, the beginning point is to be submissive to the new birth, as Jesus talked about in John 3. Because the new birth is what puts us into the body of Jesus Christ. It's in that context that we enjoy the remission, the forgiveness of our sins. And we live in hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. 
at some point in time as a soldier, we will walk away from this life. But to be ushered into eternity and to stand before God and to know that our life has been pleasing to Him who enlisted us. What a thought. If you're here today and you need to respond, won't you do so as we stand and sing?